that was a thing, wasn't it? No, normcore was a thing. So Matthew Core is different to normcore in some specific ways. Do, do we think? Yeah, Matthew Core is is British, but not like Brexity British. Yeah. It's, it's kind of I don't know. Matthew, I think to me, is really good at capturing like the really mediocre elements of being British and being really funny about being self-aware about them. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like he's acutely aware of what a middling culture we have. <laughs> <laughs> Listener to this episode 192 of the Electronic Wireless Show. This is going to be the best weather in games, which is, I think, we've done rain or water or something before. We might not have done weather, but as you may have gathered, I'm not joined by Matthew this week, which is why we could talk about him <laughs> when he wasn't here. But I am rejoined by Nate, who, actually, I shouldn't have said Nate. Who are you this week? You're Michael, a fish. <laughs> Yeah, not to be confused with Michael Fish, the uh, weather forecaster who famously didn't manage to notice a hurricane coming the next evening in the, uh, yeah. the early 80s, mid-80s. Yeah, that's a good bit of, of Britonology, isn't it? That's that's kind of a, that's in our that's kind Matthew of... Core. That's Matthew Core. That's Matthew 100% that's Matthew Core, not, not knowing that a hurricane is going <laughs> to... Actually, we should respect Matthew because, of course, with... Um, me not being here last week, listeners may be uh, starting to notice a pattern and I think it's time to come clean. We've enraged the Alabaster Titan and we've had to imprison it in a garden shed, but one of us has to man the door of the shed at all times, Yeah, pleading with it not to smash its way out and feeding slices of ham through a letterbox we've hacked in the door to keep it calm. There's only that's... so long it can hold. And that's where Matthew is. But um, thank you to Rebecca and Ed for stepping in last week. It was lovely having a chat with... It was strange. It was... They were so normal, you know? <laughs> just, <laughs> just just normal men. Just innocent men. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was, they were just reasonable people who said normal things, and I was quite taken aback. <laughs> it's like... Oh, I don't know about It was sort of, like, sort of like post-pandemic, you know, when you... You left your house and and saw saw the world again for the first time. We are locked down. But no, uh, yeah. So uh, Nate is back this week. What sort of adventures have you been on apart from holding down the Alabaster Titan, or have you well, been on any? I played the um, uh, the fan game which you sent me, which was amazing. Yes, I was going to say. We do need to talk about the fan game. Yeah, so uh, it was about me when I used to work at London Aquarium. And it was uh, a reimagining of the time I had to stop a Spanish teenager stealing a dogfish from the touch pool. Um, (laughs) Only sort of abstract, because in, in this version, Matthew and Alice were there. It's like a dream. Uh, yeah, but Matthew and Alice from the podcast were there. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I had to sort of like. Well, well, I I am every customer that comes. Yes, there's loads like, of Alice's swarming in, <laughs> and I've got to make contact with them to greet them as you as you do. But like, then there's Matthews scurrying around trying to tap the glass at the bottom of the screen and agitate the dogfish, presumably making them then more vulnerable to theft. Well, I think you if you don't greet an Alice before Matthew gets to, to her, Matthew will approach her and turn her into a, a banger. Oh, I That's, actually missed that. So she goes she turns red and then you have to debang her. And then if Matthew gets 
too close to the the touch pool, he will steal the dogfish. Oh, okay, that might be why I was struggling. I think I kept being taken down by corrupted Alice's. They are a problem, yeah. Um, but, but it was yeah, very good. It was an excellent, an excellent game. It's called Aquarium Assault: Dark Day for a Dogfish, um, by John Harris. And thank you so much, John, for for sending that in. It was uh, wonderful. It was uh, transcendent. It was the best Friday ever. It was a couple of weeks ago that um, John sent it, but I didn't. I didn't want to force. I didn't want to have to explain to Ed and Rebecca what, <laughs> what it was last week. So I did email John and say I'll talk about it when when the boys are back in town. Um, so thank you so much. Yeah, love things like that. And it was uh, amazing. It's unbelievable I, when people do things like that. We should at some point. There was another fan game as well, and I'm not sure it ever quite got the credit it deserved on the uh, on the pod. So we'll we'll have to dig that out and have a chat about that next time. Yeah. So that was a, that was a good adventure that we all had. Together. I also went and saw um, the new dinosaurs film, Jurassic thing, Jurassic Jurassic Big Times. Oh yeah. Um, How was that? Was that terrible? Uh, well, you know, like I think at this point with things like that, like I go in with the exact same mindset I start watching a music video with in that I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't have any expectations of being told a story or even a series of sort of um, causally coherent events, mm. just sort of spectacle. And it, yeah, it delivered pretty well on that. They're massive dinosaurs basting each other. Um, yeah. It does, does make me a bit sad because I just think of all the things that series could have done, and w- w- which it's, you know, clearly not electing to do. Um, you know, Did- at the end of the day, that you know, they're, they're just monster films. They're not really dinosaur <laughs> films. Did it have any? Does it have like a new monster again this time? Because before it had like a spy, a spy T Rex that could turn invisible. Yeah, well, this time they've got Giganotosaurus, which was slightly bigger than T Rex, but. The problem is, while that's strictly true, it was kind of less impressive as a predator in every fashion and lived in a completely different part of the world at the different at a different time. So it wasn't really like an upgrade on T-Rex, but they had to kind of big it up like it was. Um, and I don't know, there were, there were so many dinosaurs in the film. I think they were trying to get so much in that, Nothing really got a chance to spend much time on screen. It was it, was kind of like a, an overexcited child, like dragging you by the arm through a zoo, giving you like <laughs> two seconds to look at a snake. Is this the one where like the director or the writer or someone like clearly panicked in an interview and said like, "Yeah, this dinosaur, it's it's like the Joker." Like, oh my goodness, really? I that- think I've got a feeling. They would have been talking about the Indoraptor from uh, Fallen Kingdom, which was the last movie. Because to be fair, to be absolutely fair to them... No, no, it was this one. Oh, hang on, no. Actually... Jurassic World Dominion's huge new dinosaur, the Giga, is like the Joker. Yeah, no, actually, I tell a lie. I'd forgotten the scene where it goes onto a talk show hosted by Robert De Niro and goes mad and shoots him. In I wanted, that way, I guess it's quite like the Joker. I wanted something that felt like the Joker, teases writer, director Colin Trevorrow. It just wants to watch the world burn. That is so embarrassing for him. <laughs> Did you see the next Joker movie is going, apparently going to be a musical with Lady Gaga in it? Yeah, I think that's an incredible move. Me too. Because they've I... managed to anger everyone who, like, really, like, you know, committedly defended the first one as being, you know, a staggering work of art. Um, you know, e.g. the, you know, uh, those guys. While getting everyone who wasn't remotely interested in the first one exciting in it. So yeah. it's just like they've one eighted their audience base entirely for the sequel. Yeah, abs- absolutely incredible move. Because I-, I thought the film was like, fine. 
Yeah, it was you know, all right. Yeah, it was all right. I thought your man did a good performance, but the film itself was a bit um, uh, inconsistent and kind of internally incoherent. But uh, I agree with that. But it looked nice, and the music was pretty cool. Um, so I'm interested to <laughs> Lady Gaga doing the singing with uh, with Commodus. Um, I mean, yeah, how straight are they going to play it? Like, I can't fathom it. I just cannot fathom it. Like, well, imagine they, it in my yeah, head. Yeah, because if they play it entirely straight, it will, of course, become hilarious. So maybe, maybe that's their plan. I don't know. Whoever um, loses, we win. Indeed. <laughs> Reverse AVP. <laughs> so how have, how have you been over the last, I suppose, fortnight? Well, we did um, uh, Jeff Fest, of course. So you didn't have to do Jeff Fest. So I've mostly been being very tired. Oh, um, yeah. Actually, what, what were the highlights? I've been so out of that world. I've, I've barely been aware. I thought, well, we listeners can go back and listen to the previous episodes. Uh, to get some of the highlights, we also did a, a video which is pretty cool. That was our, our um, each of us picked our best game from it. Uh, Jeff has what, some very good be trainers. Your, your picks for me? How about for that? you? Oh, oh, I want you to curate what I'm excited about. I don't know. Warhammer announced a bunch of stuff. Rogue traders, maybe. Actually, that looks sick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. But that was was that part of Jeff Fest? Kind of, it was a prelude. I don't know. Um, do, don't they do skulls now, which is their own little Ronald? Yeah, so they did their own one just before the night of Jeff Fest. So I guess it was technically part of it, but like too cool to be with the other kids. Um, Jeff Hammer forty k. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I went to. Do you remember the the toddler I I told you about who? stole his brother's biscuit and yes. exchanged it for a fistful. So I went to a, a family party and both the toddlers were in attendance. Um, I would describe them as embodying chaotic neutral and chaotic evil almost perfectly because one of them hid in the pizza delivery guy's car. Um, when he, arri- <laughs> he arrived, delivered the pizza, child was in his car while everyone was looking at the pizza, basically. And ne- he nearly left with the child. Um uh, and then the other one uh, ate a candle. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is straight up. Yeah, like because there was a birthday cake, and it had a big, it had big numbers, number candles on it. So it wasn't like a standard birthday candle. It was like a big number thirty, like a big square block thing. And as soon as the cake, the candles blown out, he just grabbed the candle <laughs> and shoved it in his mouth, and then he got upset. Not when he discovered he was eating wax, but when his mother took the candle away and removed the wax from his mouth. That kid's beast mode. He has incredibly powerful vibes. I cannot adequately express. Like, every time he entered the room, he would throw his hands in the air and shout his own name. Like, (laughs) Yes! Yeah, he's an absolute beast. He's amazing. Um, But we had... It very changeable weather because it was organised to be outside and then it was extremely windy and then it started raining and then uh, five minutes later it was uh, a beautiful afternoon and was very sunny. So uh, the weather changed on oh, a dime. I, here she goes. Uh, <laughs> this this week we're going to talk about weather in video games. Whee! Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Yeah, so this was genuinely inspired by... So the, in the UK, I understand you had a heat wave at the weekend? Uh, yes, yes, we yeah. did. It was horrid. Uh, we're, we're sort of just getting it now a bit, but I live on the coast, so the weather here is extremely capricious. It's very, very changeable. So uh, I, I quite like seeing the different, the different faces of the sea, you know? Faces um, of the sea. Yeah. That sounds like a poetry anthology. It does, doesn't it? Very, very strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I thought we could talk about weather, and then yeah, I did. I remember. I think we've done something weather adjacent, wasn't there? All that talk about weather, like fog is weather. So we might have done it before, but it's on this. As I always say, it's on the spreadsheet now, so it can't be done again a third time. Well, and we're sort of straying um, dangerously close to the the great seasons fiasco, of course. Oh yeah. 
the less so said many, about that, the better. So many etymological debates in this <laughs> podcast. It's amazing we get anything done, isn't it? Well, there's um, no no denying the theme of this one. Yeah, weather's weather, isn't it? Weather's weather. So what? So you favour tiny men games? Yes, uh, on the whole. Do they have much weather? It's a tricky one. That. Um, <sighs> Like in a lot of city builds and stuff, they'll do seasonal effects. Um, so, uh, one I've been really impressed by recently was uh, I need to go back to it actually and see how it's coming along. Do you remember that going medieval game, which is like medieval Rimworld? Um, kind of, yeah. But you can build on different levels and in a very intuitive way. I thought it was great. I played it in that sort of super early access stage where you can sort of see everything there is to do in a couple of hours. But one of the things they had already was when winter came and that everything will get covered in snow uh, and it, it completely changed the look of everything. So all your buildings would have snow on the roofs and, you know, um, your, your lads would be leaving tracks through the snow. Um, I thought that was, that was yeah. gorgeous. Um, it's... It's not common in RTS because the problem is any precipitation effects get in the way of seeing your little men. Um, uh, I hadn't considered that. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one because um, I you know I wanted to bring some little men games to the table um, with this and couldn't yeah couldn't really think of any examples that really jumped at me. I tell you what did come to mind though. Yeah. And you always know it's good when a game you haven't played in decades just bashes straight to the front of your cortex. <laughs> uh, Diablo 2, yeah. remember the third act of that was like the rumble in the jungle? Yeah. I often find jungles really underwhelming in games because um, real jungles have got like a really like massive ambience they're, they're all vibes mm. and it's it's surprisingly hard to capture but diablo 2 when you first get into that rainforest just the sheer sense of dampness yeah and like the thing is jungles stink like the smell of rotten fruit and wet woods and mildew and like animal shit and you know just just life in its various stages of coming to an end is absolutely overpowering. Mm. And, you know, I always say that when something is really visually good, you can smell it. Um, and, yeah, you could smell that jungle uh, in Diablo 2, which considering when this came out, which was, what, 97, 98? Yeah. Um, I thought it was a, a hell of an, um, an, an achievement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like is I know I'm starting this up, but is that weather? <laughs> well, yeah, because it was the rain. You could hear it. I like, suppose, yeah, I suppose, okay, yeah. You could see all ripples and look like the ground was covered in pools of water, and you could see all ripples in them, and like all of the leaves and stuff were like really glossy because they're covered in water. Um, so yeah, the yeah, def definitely weather that. Okay, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Um, I wonder how it looked because I, because the um the remaster, um might have made it like an even lusher jungle because I didn't get that far when I I played the remaster. But, Ooh, um, that actually makes me want to play the remaster. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about like Frostpunk because Frostpunk is arguably a game about weather. Yeah, I think. Oh, do you know, I was going to say I talked about Frostpunk recently, but I didn't. That was on another podcast. So uh, the gates have, are open. How day other podcasts don't exist. <laughs> well, no, no one needs it. This is the only one anyone needs, in your That's, opinion and mine. Yeah, true. Um, I'll allow it. Continue. Yeah, Frostpunk, the, oh my goodness, the UI effects. Because um, if you haven't played Frostpunk, um, you should. It's great. Um it's like a narrative city builder. And I always think it's such an interesting game because it took a genre whose big strength is replayability and just tossed that aside in favor of an incredibly intense experience that, yeah, sure, you can do again, but it'll never do you like it does the first time. And you, you're trying to keep a settlement of people warm 
against an increasingly intense and unsurvivable winter that just gets colder and colder and colder. And it's got this huge, like, month-long storm that finishes the game. Yeah. And as the temperature plummets, there's just ice, like, growing on the sides of the screen. You can just hear, like... As stuff freezes over and the wind's howling and now that does put flurries of snow in and stuff and it does obscure your view of what's going on. So it gives you this increasing sense of losing control and hope and it's the the level of cortisol in your blood during the last hour of that (laughs) game is a thing to behold. What, yeah, what a, what a bit of representation of weather that is. Wow. That, have yeah. you played I mean, um, the expansions for that, like Last Autumn and stuff? No. I keep meaning to. I bought Last Autumn like 18 months ago, and I still need to get around to it. <laughs> I'm just clicking around because there's a game that I don't know if you've played, but I think you'd like, because I haven't played either, and I keep meaning to, but it's one of Sin's favourite games. Um, and it's called, I'm just looking at the article now, it's called Ostriv. Um, and it's like a little um, a little town a town builder uh, kind of, it's a. Um, that's like 17th century Ukraine, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one. And it, uh, it like, when you tell your villagers to build a house, they they build individual. Like they will bring over the different planks for the the foundation, and they will build it, and then they'll put the walls up, and they like a man will come over carrying like a a little, you know. Uh, set of steps for the front porch like oh wow so they, they do it like yeah they do it all individually um but then it will like the seasons are quite important um and it will like when it's you know snowy it gets very snowy and you know the that you'll see because it's one of those games where the paths in your town are created by the people walking um and uh like when the the snow comes, you know you have to have cover for everyone because uh, that otherwise they will die. Um, uh, I keep. I need to play that game actually because it's it's really come on as well. Yeah. Since I was first looking at it, and then it like the snow gradually melts, and and so the snow on like the thatched roofs gets all patchy and stuff, and you can see like, uh, like there's that like Sim built like a little a little house for an, a kind of old couple and they have a bench um uh at, at each end. so there's one bench at the back and one bench at the front and, and they consistently choose to sit on separate benches so there's like a path worn around the outside of the house where the woman goes to sit on as far away from her husband as possible with her back facing him <laughs> oh wow it's really it's the good. little stories isn't it yeah, yeah yeah so i think that that's a very cool kind of weathery game where it the weather is very kind of evocative but um hey, rimworld yeah. had good good weather as well um, See, I've, I've never played rimworld it's one of those games that it's always sounds like i would like in concept but in practice i'd get frustrated at yeah it's fair enough it's um it's one of those ones with quite a short but sharp learning curve and once you get over it it's nothing but pleasure but okay. yeah, there is a there is an amount of frustration. Probably less so now because you know it's it's much more polished and sort of you know a finished product of a game. Um, but heat waves in that one of the real you know challenge playthroughs on RimWorld are always good. Starting in very hostile locations, and uh, one good one is to do it at an ice cap <laughs> where um, you can only grow crops at certain temperatures. Mm. And it models the temperature dynamically on a 24-hour cycle, so it's cooler at night, warmer in summer, and where you are on the planet determines, um, obviously, what the temperature's like year-round. And that um, takes into account uh, latitude as well. So if you're at a pole, yeah, it's it's Mm. dark a lot of the time. If you're at uh, the equator, um, you get pretty much a, a permanent summer. Uh, with very little seasonal variation. Um, and you get heat waves, which are really scary because people can get heat stroke. Um, and unless you've got a cool area to retreat to, you can just end up with all of your colony getting heat stroke and just lying on the ground gasping and 
until Ooh. wolves come for them or whatever. Um, it's such a it's a very bleak game in in, in ways, isn't it? Like, well, yes, yes, it is. In, in the way that in the way that life is bleak, you know. Yeah, it's. I, I like those sort of. You know, uh, I mean, I guess because I'm an old old school dwarf fortress person, but I like very difficult sort of settlement building games because yeah. it feels like a real achievement to do anything. How does War Fortress handle the weather? Quite well, actually. When it's raining, you get little full stops and things blinking. Um, so it, it, yeah, you. Well, I mean, to someone who doesn't play Dwarf Fortress ever, it, it just looks like a robot being sick in code. But <laughs> you know, once 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 your eyes in. The rain's really good. That does rainforests really well as well, because all the trees drop lots of fallen fruit um, and things like that, which, again, I said that sort of the thing I always think of when I think of jungles is the smell of fallen fruit rotting into the ground. And, you know, if you look at a jungle floor in Dwarf Fortress, actually, it plays that pretty well. Yeah. Did you see, by the way, when you asked what games would I like from Jeff Fest, did you see that there is a survival crafting game? It's called The Lord of the Rings Return to Moria. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. So it's a survival crafting game, multiplayer, online multiplayer, but you can play it by yourself to be harder. But you basically um, are, are s- s- some dwarves and you can customize your dwarf uh, and uh, you are... Re- returning to moria i mean it probably goes against the spirit of the actual uh, story in the books but like you basically are going back to moria and you build your settlement uh, maybe around you know um some of the grand you know leftover stuff from moria and then you you're trying to like get back some of the lost treasures so you you dig that to, sounds so good. And you can craft like special armor and stuff. And you, and then if you dig too greedily or too deep, a big horde of orcs will appear and you have to defend yourself from them and stuff. And I saw that and I was like, that's, a Nate, that's Nate bait. That's what that is. <laughs> that certainly is. Because um, there was Hammerting, of course, which is a, a side-on. <laughs> so if you've played Oxygen Not Included, a similar viewpoint to to that that was a dwarf settlement builder wow repeated theme today isn't it i played when it was very new and yeah. need to check on how it's it's coming along um and that was quite promising but the idea of a you know let, let's face it you know a, a tolkien license one even if it does yeah completely on the the sort of the the substance and the <laughs> you know the intention of the setting would be wicked yeah, it's interesting as well because it's um it like it's quite a small studio. Like they haven't really done any th- much. They've worked on games, you know, as as sort of like contractors, I think, but they've not really done a big thing themselves. And I I like that they are being given a chance with like a big licensed property. You know, I, I think, think that's game, cool. That's often like I think that that's a pretty good step for. Yeah, for a nascent developer like that, it's sort of like the butcher's apprentice being allowed to saw open a beef for the first time. <laughs> a beef. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of them. Uh, I wish them all the best. I'll be following that one. Thank you. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I should have mentioned that when you said. Um, not much weather underground, presumably. You never know, but but probably not. Um, Variations on gloom, I would think. Yeah, different different glooms <laughs> you might have my asthma i suppose yeah is that what oh no there's going to be a, a debate about is gloom weather well actually didn't we have the is mist weather thing before yeah i can't remember where i fell down i know that i fell down quite strongly on one side of the debate but i can't remember which side it was i think gloom's very much a subcategory of mist mm-hmm. oh, oh, no, okay maybe not no i don't know but what about miasma? Because that's a sort of a pestilential haze, isn't it? Yeah, or I don't know. Sick prog instrumental by the band Ghost. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. That feels more like a. I was going to say like an environmental effect. 
but is that what's weather you know if oh. not an environmental effect quickly let's move on let me ask you a question yeah what do you find the most relaxing weather irl uh, and have you ever felt that sense of relaxation replicated by a games attempt at that weather yeah i i, I sort of like dappled shade like like nice sunny day but underneath a tree kind of thing yeah i'm feeling um, that yeah 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 i like I like it when it's raining and I'm inside, but sort of everyone likes that. Um, Do you know what game smashes that, I reckon, is Minecraft. Yeah? Oh, my goodness. The sound effect of the rain in Minecraft. It's so such a simple bit of sound design. But, like, when you're, you know, you started a new game and you sort of struggled to put together your first house quite quickly and you get in and maybe it's the third day and you're pottering around building, you know, supplies or whatever, and you just hear the rain start outside, and you've got your torches and your bookshelves, and, you know, there's a skeleton just ramming repeatedly into your back door while making clanking mm. noises, but it can't do anything. <laughs> it's nice. I Yeah, I don't know if any game has properly nailed kind of it being a sort of nice sunny day, but you're in a forest. I do I re- I do really like one of the maps in Dragon Age Inquisition is called the Emerald Graves and it's just like a well big forest but it's not quite like for for all that I go on about Dragon Age Inquisition it it, it feels like a game where weather has happened <laughs> not not where it is happening the the there's a, a bit called the Storm Coast where it technically is like raining but it doesn't feel like it's do you know, like it, the weather doesn't feel like it's a, a thing that's actually going on. Like it doesn't feel that real. Like there's a snowy place, but it's somewhere where it is just snowy. It's not sure. Like it snows. Do you know what I mean? So I, I don't want to fully give them weather props if I'm being honest. I, I tell you yeah. what, I hate to say it, but um, uh, what's it called? Kingdom Come Deliverance. That yeah. does really good dappled sunshine forest action. Yeah, didn't it? Like really, really lovely. Um, I spent like, ages in that forest as well because there's a mission where you have to like catch a certain type of bird and you have to listen yes. out for its call. And I couldn't, yeah. and I just spent f***ing ages. I loved that mission though. It was so, it was so difficult. And it's like, oh, wow, this is... Yeah, this this be kind of tricky in real life. This is, wow, this is immersive. I wish that game had all just been gentle medieval woodland pursuits. Yeah, that would have been way better. Oh yeah, that was oh that was lovely. It was such a daft game. It was it would it was like it was it was it was silly Eurojank, and on that basis, it was like quite fun. But I I did like that because of the ideological stance taken by the the head of the studio um it put uh a lot of bros in the position of like having to honestly defend like trying to defend the game as like really great (laughs) yeah it's sort of the everyone lost with that because they were in that situation then you got people like me and i really enjoyed it until like the developers embarrassed themselves and yeah, and then there were all the jank aspects as well, which kind of oh, such a mixed bloody bag. It was some of it was really like charming and wonky and stuff. Some of it was quite daft, but um, but like on its own merits, it was like a kind of classic fun, like six point five out of ten, maybe. That <laughs> <laughs> you see, yeah, it's the like, moments when it was a nine that that are upsetting in retrospect, you know. Because yeah. it just it glimmered at times, and it was yeah, just like that, you know, environmental, atmospheric stuff. But I'm just, just a real sucker for that. It kind of wasn't finished as well. It was. I remember like there was you sort of got to, it, there was like a, it felt like it was a huge chunk missing, and then I I don't know if they ever did a DLC or if they did a anything. I guess they did, but I I don't know if they they ever sort of are doing anything else or a or a follow up. I don't know. Uh, I want people to make more just straight up medieval games. Because I feel there's a gap for it. 
Uh, obviously, yeah. you've got your, you know, your, your games which are just about hardcore PvP, sword battering, and stuff. Your sort of Matt Cox fodder. Um, but I, you know, I don't have the the skill or the bloodlust for stuff like that. I just want yeah. more. Yeah, I just, I just want to exist as a 14th century man. I mean, is <laughs> a, a bold take. Yeah, not in real life. But I just quite like having, game. like, you know, teeth and the enlightenment and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that'd be quite good. What's your favourite type of weather in real life? And have you encountered that in a game then? Um, I really like... You know, like that sort of super crispy, sunny, cold, dry day you get in the middle of winter? Yes. Um, no, yeah. 100%. Everything's kind of really hard and bright. Um, yeah. And your lungs feel invigorated. I like that. Um, and weirdly, although I find that sort of, you know, actually quite euphoric, it's usually in sort of very bleak wastelandy games. Um, Metro Exodus did it quite well, weirdly enough. Um, like I was initially skeptical about that, that game sort of taking to the overworld. Mm. Uh, but it was interesting. Some of the sort of bleak weather it did was really, really good. Cause it could have just gone for like, you know, post nuclear gigastorms all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, in the same way that like, you know, people who've been to the exclusion zone around Chernobyl report that it's actually quite normal you know there were places in that game where, where it just felt like you know just a a a, a wintry day in a in a slightly ugly barren bit of land mm. the skies were great in that um that actually did sort of it did also do radioactive snowstorms quite well in the exterior bits in the first game um i'm trying to think of really wintry games because the problem is they all quite often for understandable reasons, games go all in on weather. Like you can't just have like a bit of snow that doesn't really stick, and yeah. melts. you know it's just like mega drifts and looking like a Christmas card. And and also winter is it, it's normally a you know a, a hazard. It's a bad that you don't want to be out enjoying the winter. This is it. Yeah. yeah. No, I I can't think of a game that just does pleasant wintry day. But I suppose that is quite boring. Weather-wise, I'm having a nice time. <laughs> yeah, I do like a good fog, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. Now Here you, we go. You must play loads of foggy games because you like mysteries, and fog is the weather of mystery. Um, it's more. I think in games, it's more the the weather of horror. Horror. Yeah, and and foreboding. Um. But I haven't encountered it much, I don't think. Actually, uh, Oxenfree 2 has um, uh, a mysterious uh, kind of slightly paranormal mist in it. Because um, I played a, a hands-on of it. And uh, so Oxenfree is a sort of 2D side-on um, story adventure sort of mystery game. Um it's a follow-up to the first Oxenfree where a bunch of teenagers discovered sort of rips uh, in in time to do with radio waves. Um, and in the second game, it's related to that island. You play different people. You're sort of, you're adults, you're 20-somethings, um, scientists investigating this phenomenon. And you have, uh, I think it's shortwave or long wave. I think a shortwave radio, like a... Um, uh, uh, what you call the transponder? Oh um, yeah. And sometimes, suddenly, you'll find yourself in a big, thick fog, and someone will start calling on your radio. And there are different channels, and each channel, I believe, will be a different person. Um, except they might not be in the same time, or they might be dead, or that you know. Ooh. Um, and you can choose to answer and speak with them or not. Um, but that's quite Spookenstein. Yeah, and then the the mist will go again, and you're suddenly like, "Oh, that, well, that was weird," you know. Is is it the second one where a lot of it's in a mine? Yeah. Well, the bit I played, you sort of go into a. So I only played a little sort of a little vertical slice, um, a bit into the game, and uh, you go into a mine, 
and kind of open up a rip to, you know, it's a standard like, oh, the way is impassable in our time, but in the past, the mine lift was still working, you know, that kind of thing. Actually, Alice, speaking of going into a mine, do you fancy going into a cavern and opening up a rip into a realm of lies? Ooh. Ah, the student has become the master. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, Hang on, I'll do the door, because Matthew's not here. The cavern! That was thunder. Of lies! Wow. Right. What sort of cavern have we got today, then? Well, um, it's it looks to be a, a sort of a gold mine, maybe. A bit rickety, though. There's cobwebs everywhere. Uh, sodden dynamite lying in stacks. Um, skulls with Stetsons. That kind of, that kind of thing. Um... It was very hard to come up with a cavern specifically themed on weather. Yeah, I imagine so, yeah. Um, And I was thinking about Red Dead Redemption 2, because me and Matthew, there's the sort of the meme that we always start talking about the mud in that game. Yeah. And I remember we once had a discussion about whether mud counts as weather. No, Um, absolutely not. So instead, we're going to shift the definition of weather. We're going to look at weather... Uh, lines of dialogue are NPC lines from Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, no. Or quotes from hit HBO series Deadwood. Okay. <laughs> um, now, it's going to be a sort of a quickfire one. This is in exactly the format of the first Cavern of Lies we did. Yeah. Um, which was about Witcher NPC dialogue. Okay. Um, and, yeah, basically, um, I'm going to give you t- 20 quotes. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. And you've got to make a snap decision. Okay. And basically, if you get more right than wrong, you've won. Okay. Is there going to be a lot of swearing? Uh, no, I've actually, I've kept out most of the swearing. Okay, good. Because I'm, because I'm editing this week. Produce, ah. Producer Liam is uh, uh, otherwise disposed, so I'm going to have to. Yeah, Red Dead's got a fair bit less swearing than Deadwood, so I tried oh, so to you keep had everything to sort on of... a level. Yeah, adjust, adjust for swearing, I see. But there is okay. some in there because, obviously, it will make the decision harder. Okay. So. All right. I'll do them all in fun cowboy voices. Sweet. Okay. Well, if you're rotating me to the jackpot, you got the job done. Uh, Red Dead. Uh, that's Deadwood. <sighs> um, how are you doing? Well, I got a full belly and empty nuts, so I guess I'm doing all right. Red Dead. You're right. Forgive me if I slip and stab you in the face. Deadwood? It's Red Dead. You cannot f*** the future, sir. The future f***s you. Uh, 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 Deadwood. You're right. Do not put unauthorized cinnamon on the goddamn meeting table. Deadwood. Yes. Too weird for Red Dead. <laughs> I wouldn't trust a man who wouldn't try to steal a little. Red Dead. That's Deadwood. Oh. Lack of something to feel important about is almost the greatest tragedy a man may have. Deadwood. It's Red Dead Redemption. Oh. Not you better great. sleep with one eye open. You're going to sleep with your chest open if you ain't careful, boy. Uh, Red Dead. You're correct. Yeah. Okay. Could you have been born, sir, and not egg-hatched, as I've always assumed? Ooh. Ooh. You haven't thrown in any you've made up yourself, have you? A <laughs> uh, Deadwood. Yes, it is. Announcing your plans is a good way to hear God laugh. Oh, that's a tough one as well. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to say Red Dead. <laughs> It's Deadwood. Oof. I woke up on the riverbank shivering like a shitting dog. Uh, mm, Red Dead. You're correct. Yes. If I bleat when I speak, it's because I just got f***ing fleeced. Uh, Deadwood. That's correct. Pain or damage don't end the world. Or despair or beatings. The world ends when you're dead. Until then, you got more punishment in store to stand it like a man and give some back. Oh, I'm trying to imagine, like, would Ian McShane say this? Um, uh, Red Dead. It's Deadwood. Oh. 
It is an Ian McShane line. Cause it is. You, sir, are a fish. A fish. Um, uh, Red Dead. It is. It's what Arthur says when he catches a fish sometimes, and I adore it. <laughs> <laughs> we die alone, but we live amongst men. Red Dead. Yep. Look at this place. Your dream home? I've had better nightmares. Oh, I'm Red Dead. Yes. Stop singing about geography. Stop singing about geography. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Deadwood. Nice Red Dead Redemption. Uh. Morning. Morning. Best time of day to go f*** yourself. Uh, Deadwood. That's correct. My pa always told me never to trust a Welshman, and he got his throat slit by one, so he should know. Red Dead. Yes. I think I remember that one. You see me empty, sir. Do not pause and inquire. Simply assume and refill. Dead, Deadwood. You're correct. I think you smashed this, Alice. Uh, let's count up your score. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 14 out of 20. Yes. Uh, that is a solid 7 out of 10. <laughs> well done. As your prizes, you receive um, this giant tin statue of Ian McShane's face. Oh, lovely. They'll, they'll really set off the home. Yeah. Yeah. So in, enjoy that. It, uh, it weeps at night. Oh. Enjoy your day. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Nate, for that, uh, I mean, a transcendent cavern. Um, re- it was a good, really good time. That. That's going to kickstart my career in voice acting, that one. I, I mean, I can't believe you don't already have a long and distinguished career in voice acting um uh what's the weather like in in deadwood oh brilliant yeah um yeah there's the the snow up in the mountains of course it's very hot a lot of the time there's all the mud on the main street i love the mud in deadwood it's so horrible cute big fan of mud um Thank you, Nate, and thank you, listener, for joining us for this episode 192 of the Electronic Wireless Show. I cannot believe how much we talked about games this week. <laughs> we always, it's really weird. When it's just us, we get right down to business with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, Very, yeah. very sensible. Yeah, um, it was Matthew all along. Um, uh, all that remains is to do recommendations, because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh, I'll go first this week since Matthew isn't here uh, I'm going to recommend a television show called From um, it, Terrible SEO it's on it, it was on Epics or it was by Epics E-P-I-X um, uh, and it's it's one of those ones where it says like from the executive producers of Lost um, and a while back I recommended a show called Severance which is a very good sort of if you want a TV show, a bit like Lost, where you're trying to work out what's going on every week. Um, From is sort of like that. Basically, it's a, it's a town in the United States somewhere where people just turn up. Uh, they will be driving somewhere and then they just turn up in this town and they can't leave. So every time they try and drive out, they end up coming back through the town again. And eventually mm. they, yeah, they stop and they, they uh, you know, they realize they're trapped in this town. Uh, and at night, these horrible carnivorous monsters come, and you have to be inside at nighttime, otherwise you'll get et. Did um, not expect that twist. Yes. So the the show basically starts as a family arrives. They were going to go on like a camping trip, and they turn up in this town, and the dad is like a uh, an engineer for like theme parks, so he designs roller coasters, and they turn up. Um, around the same time as like a tech billionaire like Silicon Valley Chad turns up um and so they those two sort of start trying to figure out how we can actually leave and stuff and so there's a lot of like you know interpersonal drama stuff it's a very fun show however it is also a very stupid show uh there is one like when I'm watching Severance I'm sort of like I trust that 
the writers have a plan for everything they've put in. Whereas with From, I'm like, I, I, like, I feel like I don't know where this is going, but also neither does anyone writing this television show. And they just put cool stuff in. <laughs> and also the writers do this thing where like, I, I, if anyone watches it now, I will have ruined it for them. But they do this thing where they write in people stopping their sentences like they start to say something they go like they'll be like hey have you seen jim i'm looking for jim and then someone will be like i haven't seen him since never mind uh i think he's you know and it doesn't sound like they're trying to make it sound natural but it doesn't sound like someone naturally ad-libbing pauses in their dialogue writing it in it sounds like someone yeah learning a pause and they do it all the time (laughs) but it is yeah it's a phenomenally silly but also quite like compelling and entertaining show so that's from <laughs> nate what are you recommending this week uh so i've realized actually i listen to a bunch of music but never recommend music so i've got an easy out here when i have an idea uh, i've been listening to the album to the bone by stephen wilson which came out in april this year uh stephen wilson uh was the uh the lad from uh, Porcupine Tree, you know them. He also, I think, did a lot of work with Opeth, um, the Swedish ones. Uh, it's proggy, um, but it, it's quite sort of upbeat and you know fairly fairly fun for a prog album. Um, he's got a lovely voice. Uh, one of the songs, actually, uh, same Asylum as before, appears on the soundtrack of Watchdogs Legion. Uh, I remember this because it came on as I was uh, riding a motorbike into a bus again and again and again. Wow. Uh, yeah, fun album. Give it a listen. All right. That's the sort of thing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, a genuinely nice recommendation there. Sorry, my one was rambling and long and mostly making fun of the very thing I was recommending. Yeah, it was um, good. <laughs> Uh, thank you listener for sticking with us uh, we'll be back again next week and we're also about to record uh, another episode of the bonus podcast The Nate Files which I am told this week is going to be all about ants I was going to make an ant noise but there's no such thing <laughs> uh, you can find Rock Paper Shotgun on Twitter Facebook and YouTube just search for Rock Paper Shotgun you can email in questions suggestions and uh, other fan games to podcast at rockpapershotgun.com you can join the discord uh, for fun hangouts and chats the link is in the show notes uh, and you can also buy merch likewise link is in the show notes but for all of your PC gaming needs just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com but for now it's goodbye from me Alice Bell and it's goodbye from Michael a fish don't worry there'll be no hurricanes glub 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 <laughs> bye bye <laughs>